We are talking about how do I talk to my kids about sex. We had put out on uh, Facebook a month and a half ago or a couple months ago, hey, what are some parenting questions you have? And this was a big one uh, because there's all kinds of information coming at us in every direction in our culture. And as Christians, how do we talk about these things? So inside your bulletin, you find an outline of where I'm headed today. We're going to answer that question. And the good news, the Bible has a lot of information on this topic, helpful stuff principles that we need to live by, that we can all live by, and also some practical advice on how we can talk to our kids about it. Let me have a word of prayer. We're going to jump right in. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity to be here. I thank you that you give us your word to guide us in all matters of faith and practice, including our sexuality. So I pray, Lord, today that you'll speak and move me out of the way, and we'll leave you encouraged. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so if you came here today and you thought, man, my parents never talked to me about sex, or I don't know what I'd say, I'd probably say too much, I don't want to talk about it because then it might get them thinking about it, and uh, we should have talked about it sooner, or it's too late, or it's, we're, they're too young, it's too early, and oh my goodness, I need, we need a professional to talk about this or things. Uh, if you've got any of those thoughts that have ever gone through your mind, you don't feel you're up to this, uh, to this task to talk about these things, well then, um, welcome to the club. And so this is a message for all of us to feel more comfortable talking about something the Bible talks a lot about, our sexuality. All too often in our culture, though, even in Christian circles, we've said, you know, uh, we've talked about it because so many people misuse sex and in ways that are wrong. We talk about sex like it's gross or dirty and uh, something we should never talk about. And then we say, since it's gross, shameful, and dirty, you should save it for the one you love. Anyway, uh, you know, that... That just never seems to work. So today, we're going to come at a completely different approach and talk about what the Bible has to say. I want to remind us on a point A that that's important, that we must teach our kids biblical sexual ethics and values. Uh, the Bible, by the way, does claim authority in this area. All Scripture is inspired by God, is useful to teach us what's true, make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what's right. And God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work, including how to be parents and how to have proper sex lives. The Bible gives us this. So here's a parenting tip. If we don't teach our kids about sex, our culture will. Our culture already has. You want to know to the extent that this is going on? The Barna Research Group, it's a Christian research group, went out and surveyed 13 to 24-year-olds, and here's what they found. 56% of 13 to 24-year-olds ranked failure to recycle as immoral. 48% of them ranked overeating as immoral. 38% rank significant consumption of electricity or water as immoral, and 32% view, ranked viewing pornographic material on your smartphone as immoral. So over 50% say recycling is immoral. Only 32% said looking at porn on your cell phone is immoral. Okay, this is where we are now, not where we might be 20 years from now. This is today. 70% of all pornography viewed in the world is viewed on smartphones. Teenagers, preteens, all have smartphones. This is a sobering thought. Images are coming. If we don't talk to our kids, the culture will. Movies, music, websites, texts, chats, apps, you name it. The kid down the street with older siblings, they're talking about it. So when are we going to weigh in? It is it important. 
Solomon said it was vital. Listen to what he wrote 3,000 years ago. It's always been this way. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel, and then you'll show discernment, and your lips will express what you've learned. For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she's as bitter as poison and as dangerous as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight down to the grave, for she cares nothing about the path to life. She staggers down her crooked trail, doesn't even realize it. So now, my sons, listen to me. Never stray away from what I'm about to say. Solomon said in Proverbs 5 there, there's a crooked trail and there's a straight trail. I'm going to tell you how to walk the straight path. And that's the idea of wisdom. It's the idea of parenting. It's the idea of teaching our kids the right way to go. So if we're going to say what the Bible says about sex, before we start talking about the things the Bible says to not do in our sex lives, let's talk about what the Bible says positively about sex. It's always the best place to start. First of all, the Bible says that God created us as sexual beings. He did. That sex was God's idea. That's what the Bible says. <clears throat> Genesis uh, chapter 1. God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. And then God looked over all he'd made and he saw that it was very good, including the people who were to be fruitful and multiply. Well, the way you're fruitful and multiply is by having children. God knew that, and he said it was very good. We have children is by having sex. So sex is a good thing. In fact, that's the next point. God made sex very good. Could we all read that out loud, please? God made sex very good. Okay, can you say that in church? Yeah, it says it in the Bible. God made sex very good. And we don't want to communicate to our kids that it's a terrible thing. It's not. Here are three good reasons God made it and why he said it was very good. First of all, God made sex because he wants us to reproduce. The be fruitful and multiply part. Psalm 127, verse 3. Children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is a man whose quiver is full of them. The Bible speaks over and over again as children are a blessing from the Lord. In our culture today, we don't think so. They're an encumbrance. They're in the way. They're too expensive. They're a hassle. Bible, children are a gift and a blessing. Secondly, God wants us to experience sexual pleasure. He wants us to reproduce. He wants us to experience sexual pleasure. He made it pleasurable. Proverbs 5, when Solomon is saying, hey, stay away from the immoral woman, he talked about the benefits of loving your wife a little later in chapter 5, Proverbs 5. He says, let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She's a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Yep, that's not a misprint. That's what it says. And we haven't even gotten into the Song of Solomon. Man, you read that book of the Old Testament. Woo, that's some steamy stuff. The idea is, is that the Bible says that sex is good and it's pleasurable. God wants us to enjoy sex in its proper bound, within its proper boundaries. Thirdly, God wants us to experience sexual oneness. Sexual oneness. Jesus was asked about marriage and divorce, and here's what he said. At the beginning, of crea- at the, beginning the creator made them male and female and said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother to be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. They're no longer two, but one. Therefore, God is joined together. Let man not separate. 
And there is a wonderful component to sexuality. When we mate with a spouse for life, there's a oneness that is amazing. God intended it for us to be that way, that the man and the woman would complete each other. This was God's plan from the beginning. And our kids need to know this, that God designed sex in a way that we complete each other. He designed sex in a way that when it's observed within his, uh, the confines of marriage, there was a, it's a place where children are a blessing. Not, oh my gosh, what's going to happen now somebody's expecting. It's a place where pleasure can be enjoyed freely. No guilt, no shame, no comparisons, no worries. Oh, that's what God wants. This is his desire, and we need to communicate this to our kids. I wanted my kids to hear this. And that's why it's so important that we're talking about this. I want all of us to feel free and to have, I hope you feel greatly encouraged by the time you leave. This is important to talk about our kids. I wanted my kids to hear this from me. And by the time they got to middle school and later junior high, I mean, there's all kinds of locker room talk. And those kids, they're hanging around the locker room or saying all these things. And I always wanted our kids to know, you can come talk to me. I know more about it than that 12-year-old does. And I can beat them up too. You know, whatever. I didn't say that. But the idea is that uh, the whole point is, is that I want my kids to be able to talk to me. This is important whether it's grandparent. If you're a grandparent, same way. Can they come talk to you about this stuff? The Bible teaches this. This is good. Point three. God put restrictions on our sexual activity for our protection. So he created us as sexual beings. He made sex very good, and he put restriction on it for our protection. This is what Moses said, why he gives us all the commandments he gives us. You must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. If you could underline for your own good. In fact, could we say those few words together, please? For your own good. Why do I tell my kids that there are restrictions in the Bible on our sexuality? For our own good. Now look, our culture is going to completely disagree with this. I understand that. You need to understand that. I mean, we're saying things that people in Hollywood or all kinds of experts all over the place are going to tell you, no, no, no. If you have any desire, the only way to find true fulfillment is to give in and full vent to every desire you ever have. And the Bible would say that is careless and dangerous. In fact, the next point of your outline says that God commands us to enjoy sex only within the protection of marriage, a marriage covenant between one man and one woman. This is how God designed it. Honor marriage. Guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. He does. And he draws the line for our own good. To help explain what I'm talking about here, if you go down a diagonal across your outline at the bottom of the next page, you'll see eight reasons to wait to have sex until you're married. Well, let me just go over these quickly and just remind you how this is for our own good. By waiting, you'll experience joy and blessing from God. We talked about that already. Two, by waiting, you won't sin against God. Three, by waiting, you'll protect your heart from guilt and shame. And in the margin, if you just write the word regret, Barna and all the other researchers, when they do research of teenagers and 20-somethings and how sexually active they all are now, um, one of the things is, is that they say what's also growing, and people are experiencing this on college campuses and other things, 
uh, the number of kids experiencing depression, devastating breakups, inability to build healthy, lasting relationships. Many uh, 20-somethings report later not having the wisdom to make good decisions when they were younger. They have deep regret. All the friends were doing it, so they're doing it. Deep regret, deep shame. Mm. This is why it's so important for us. I mean, when the Bible speaks even of that oneness, how God binds us together with our spouse and marriage, well, that binding will happen, that bond will happen if you make love with a stranger too. But then the next day when you separate, your hearts are ripped apart. And if you do this again and again and again and again, pretty soon it's what they were talking about here that 20, 30, 40 hookups later, they feel unable to even have a meaningful relationship. Their heart's all battered and scarred. And sex means nothing. That's not what God wants. That's not what God wants. Go on with that list here. By waiting, you develop the godly qualities of patience and self-control. By waiting, you avoid sexually transmitted diseases. By waiting, you avoid unplanned pregnancy. By waiting, you'll have security. Within marriage, you don't need to perform or fear comparison. My wife and I next week will be married 32 years. And one of the things that I appreciate so much about her and I've enjoyed so much in our marriages, knowing with confidence that we have just each other. I don't have to compare her to other women. She doesn't compare me to other men. It's just us. Do you know the freedom in that? There's so much insecurity for people who have all these different lovers and just having to compare themselves. Was this better last time? And, and people look at porn well, they're never going to be able to compare to the people in those pornographic magazines or websites or movies. Never. And so even though they have a wonderful relationship, they're not satisfied because it can't keep up with something that isn't real anyway. By waiting, you'll be thinking, your thinking won't be clouded. You'll be able to elevate relationships more clearly. Well, of course. Instead of just stirring up all sorts of hormones and drives. Now we're, we can think calmly and rationally if we're not trying to feed this. Back to point three on the other side of the page. So God commands us to enjoy sex only within the protection of marriage, the covenant between a man and a woman, for our protection there. But he also commands us to stay away from all forms of sexual immorality. All forms. God's will for you, this is 1 Thessalonians 4. God's will is for you to be holy, to stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control your own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who don't know God in his ways. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but rejecting God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. God said, we're not supposed to live like pagans who don't know these things. We know that God created sex for good. We know it gives great pleasure. We know it is to bind us. We know that that's how we cooperate with God to create a new human life. It's that powerful. I mean, sex is what creates another human being. I mean, think how powerful that is. It can bind us together for a lifetime. Amazingly powerful. It can give us ecstatic pleasure. So we're just going to toss it out on the street? I mean, plutonium or uranium, you don't just leave that sitting on the 
grocery store shelf, you lock it up and protect it, it's powerful. If you use it the right way, it can generate enough power to power a whole city for a long time. If you use it the wrong way, it can destroy that city in a nuclear weapon. It's the same way with sex. If you use it the wrong way, it can kill you, literally, through a sexually transmitted disease. Having a baby, which should be the most joyous occasion in your life, now becomes a day of sorrow because, <gasps> wasn't planning on it. And all sorts of heartache. Mm. God wants to protect us. And that brings us to the next parenting tip. We must not be afraid to challenge our children with God's standards. All the truths we've been talking about here. Oh, John, you can't talk to kids that way these days. I mean, the culture isn't that way. Maybe it was that way back in Mayberry or wherever it is you grew up. It was Hillsborough, Kansas, by the way, not Mayberry. But anyway, maybe it was that way when you were a kid, but the world has changed. Kids don't obey that anymore. Well, let me tell you something. When we uphold God's standards, God gives us the strength to achieve what he calls us to do. Philippians 2.13. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Would you read that verse out loud with me, please? God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Don't be afraid to challenge your kids. Well, I don't know if I can do that. Well, of course you can't. God will give you the power. If you do what pleases him, would it please him for you to honor marriage? Yes, that's what he commanded. Would it please him to save yourself till marriage? Yes, that's what he commanded. Would it please him if you honored only your spouse and never had an adulterous affair? Of course, it's what he commanded. He'll give you the desire and the power to do it. Also, by the way, that works for us parents. I don't know what to say to my kids. Oh, man, my mouth is going to go dry if I walk in there. Good news. God's pleased when you talk to your kids and instruct them in the ways of the Lord. He'll give you the desire and the power to go talk to them. I know. I mean, I do that with my kids, my sons, as they were growing up. Debbie and I were in it together, by the way. We both walked down the hall, and she shoved me in the door and closed the door behind me. That's what happened. Those are three boys. You talk to them about it. <laughs> I'll be praying on the other side. And my mouth went dry. It's like, <clears throat> man, I've been in ministry, had all kinds of ministry experiences with everybody else's kids. This was my kid. <clears throat> Little son. Um, yeah, you know, I, mean, I have a chart, you know, or something like that. Oh, man, I stumbled around like crazy. But it was only the first of many conversations when we started talking to our kids about these things. And I knew I couldn't avoid it because I love my sons. I don't want them to experience heartache. Breakups are going to happen. You want to make it worse? Have an illicit sexual affair going on in the middle of it. I don't want them to get a disease. I want them to celebrate when children come. I want to be a grandparent. But I want them to be ready financially, emotionally, spiritually, morally. Why would I wish that on them? Anything but success. Why would I wish them hard times by not telling them stuff? God will help us. That brings us to point B. We need to talk to our kids about this, and we also need to teach them how to live godly lives in a sex-crazed culture. You can't even watch a football game coming up this fall without a Victoria's Secret ad or a Viagra commercial or 
who knows what else. Can't even sell a hamburger without somebody, well, never mind. You get the idea. We live in a culture where this is just part of it. And we got, it's our job to teach our kids to be godly people. That's the next parenting tip. We're raising our kids to be godly, not to fit in. We are raising our kids to be godly, not to fit in. Ephesians 5. Among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed. These are improper for God's holy people. When we had conversations with our kids, all their friends were going to go see a movie. We said, you're not. Well, Dad, that's going to make me different. Of course it will. As Christians, we're called to be salt and light. Light in a dark room. That makes you different. When everybody's dark and you're light, you're different. I don't want them to have the same understanding and confusion about sexuality that our culture does. I want them to know better. Better. God's way is better. And that means if I'm teaching them to be different, they're going to need help. They're going to need encouragement. They're going to need instruction. So here are five things we can do. First of all, we can teach our kids to run from sexual temptation. To run from sexual temptation and sin. We've got to teach them to run. Isn't that a little strong? Mm-mm. 1 Corinthians 6.18, run from sexual sin. 2 Timothy 2.22, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. We've got to tell our kids to run. Now look, here's the point again. Guys, if we are not putting password parental controls on cell phones our kids have until they're ready to leave home and all these things, and we're not talking about this, we're not doing the best we can. If we aren't using the parental controls on our television sets, we're not doing the best we can. You can watch uh, the message last week. We talked about social media and um, the Internet and working with our kids on that. A lot of helpful information even on blockers, on porn blockers and parental controls. Please watch that message. We talked about this at length, but I just want to remind us how important that is. And I want to remind us again how serious this is, the whole issue of pornography. 33% of women aged 25 and under go searching for porn once a month. Right now, it used to be like 5%. Now it's 33%. 62% of teens and young adults have received a sexually explicit image on their cell phone. 36% of young adults watch porn to get tips that they can apply in their own sexual relationships. This is why it's so important we talk to our kids. We don't want our daughters learning how to kiss like a porn star. It's where we are. The world is trying to squeeze us into a mold where we say, hey, this is the way we're supposed to live. We get to be the ones who talk to them about it and go, that's not right. That's not God's standard. That's not good. That's not the best way to live. So, I mean, we had parental controls on our TV at home. You know, we couldn't even watch a program that came on that was, wasn't PG-13 or less on our TV at home, and I didn't have the password. I didn't want our boys watching it, so I wasn't going to watch it. Debbie had the password, and she wasn't giving it up for nothing. Okay, why, why wouldn't we do that? Secondly, we can teach our kids to run to God. We run away from sin and sexual temptation. Run to God. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word and following its rules. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's so important we do this. Teach our kids to read God's word. They're getting all this information that I just talked about. It's shaping them now. 
When are they going to get the truth? When are they going to get God's word? If we don't read it, we won't know it. We also need to teach them to run to God, not just for instruction, but also when we sin and, and we fail. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. David wrote this. I said to myself, I'll confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. If it's good news to you that we can come to Christ, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, if we confess our sins, he'll forgive us our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. If that's good news to you, would you say amen? amen. We need to remind our kids that all the time. They need to know if they blow it, they can come to us, that we still love them. They need to know that God will always love them. We need to tell them. Thirdly, we need to help our kids choose godly friends. I mean, if this is going to be ongoing, and the battle will be ongoing, then we need to help them find godly friends. 2 Timothy 2.22, the second half. Pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. This is why we have a student ministry here. That's why we have a children's ministry here. That's why we have lots of volunteers. With our kids, I wanted them in a small group. I wanted them around other Christians. I wanted them to go to summer camp. We got them involved in student ministry here. We got them involved with young life trips. We got them involved every chance we could where they'd hang around Christian people who are influencing them in the right direction. That's our job as parents. It helps them stay on the right path, not the crooked one. Remember what Solomon said? The crooked path. I mean, you understand that's what the devil does. He never creates anything. All he does is take something good that God created and twist it, bend it a little bit, and then say it's good. That's even better. It's a good thing to be hungry and eat. So then what he does now is he says, well, just eat way too much or eat nothing at all and have an eating disorder. Either way, he doesn't care. He just doesn't want us to satisfy the desires, our desires the way God wants. The same with the sexual desire. God says, hey, sex is good within marriage. Oh, it's even better before. It's better if you have extramarital sex. It's better if you get into all kinds of perversions. It's even better. And each time he does so to steal, kill, and destroy. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? And that's why it's so important because our kids are really hanging out with a group of friends who don't share these values. It won't be long till they get pulled into sin. Fourthly, we must model the behaviors and values we want to see in our children. I mean, if we're telling them that God values marriage, are we modeling healthy marriage? If we're telling them that God doesn't want us to look at porn, are we looking at porn? I mean, our kids are going to do what we do more than what we say. We've got to model it. I wanted my kids to know this. I wanted them to see that I was head over heels in love with their mom. I remember when we were small and we'd give each other a kiss. They're like, ah, I'm gross, can't stand it. Well, hang on, cowboy. You'll understand it one day. I wanted them to know that their mom was my soulmate that God had provided. And our marriage is special. We complete each other. I wanted them to value that. That's what God wants, not just hooking up. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, 
in your love, your faith, and your purity. Paul wrote that to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.12. Here's a parenting tip I want to say, too. We must never let our past mistakes and sins prevent us from fulfilling, fulfilling our responsibilities as parents. Because sometimes when I've talked about the fact we need to model us, they go, well, yeah, John, you're a pastor and stuff. You don't know my past. I didn't even become a Christian until three years ago. I've got all kinds of sin in my past. How am I going to talk to my kids when I've committed all these sins myself? Well, do what Paul did. 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a trustworthy saying. Everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the worst of them all. Paul went right at it. Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the worst. He had actually gone out to kill Christians before he became a believer himself. He wanted to hunt them down, help people stone them to death. He didn't try to hide it. He said, but Jesus changed me. If there's sexual sin in your past, tell your kids that. And say, well, then they say, why are you telling me this? Because I don't want you to experience the heartache I experienced. I don't want you to go through the turmoil I went through. I don't want you to have this. I want something better. That's God's word. Finally, you and I need to maintain healthy relationships with our kids. So we can have an opportunity to talk about this over and over again as they grow and mature. Ongoing relationships. That's the goal. Okay, there's the times when there's a sit-down talk, like when Debbie shoves me in the room. Still haven't quite forgiven her for that. But anyway, uh, anyway but, so there's those times when those are the planned talks, there's, when they're starting puberty, when they're starting dating, different ages. We need to talk about those things. It's all important. When they're going off to school. Got to have those talks. My, each of my sons, we went away for our father-son week at a place called J.H. Ranch. So we talked about all this stuff before they started high school. I wanted to make sure we talked about it. Those are the planned talks. There's also a whole series of unplanned talks. Well, when do those come? When the kids start asking questions. Hey, where do babies come from? Dad, one of my friends told me that. Is that true? Or when they blow it and you catch them looking at something. That's a good time to sit down and go, son, we're not doing this. Daughter, we're not doing this. Here's why. And we remind ourselves again of God's word. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Give them, get them inside of you and get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Deuteronomy 6. If you want to know what kind of things you could talk about, well, I've Got some stuff on the back side of your outline. Some topics, marriage, adultery, homosexuality, sexual purity, abortion, confession and repentance, God's forgiveness, restoration of sinners, scripture references. You could look them up and talk about them. These are great things to talk about as a family at the right age. Down below that, there's a whole list of resources you can use. There's so many wonderful resources on this now. I want to point out teaching your children about sex, teaching your child about sex, an Essential Guide for Parents by Grace Ketterman. This is an amazing book. And there are others like it where they talk about age-specific things. Here's what you talk about when kids are small. Like, what would you talk about when they're small? Well, even when they're just toddlers to like six years old, somewhere in that range, you need to talk to them about privacy and the parts of their body that are covered by swimsuits. Nobody should be touching those parts. Things like that. And if you have babysitters that have cell phones, hey, there are bad pictures and good pictures. We don't look at bad pictures. Why wouldn't I tell little kids about that? When they get older, 
man, we've got to talk about where babies come from. That starts way sooner than we think. Their, kids are t- their friends are talking about it. All the, there's tons of resources there. There's more. And if you need help, we'll be glad to talk to you. I just hope that you understand my heart here today. As a father, this is vitally important to me. I wanted my kids to hear from me and their mom that their sexuality is important to God and it's important to us. We want them to know sexual oneness the way we do. We want them to provide a home. We want grandchildren. I want them to have children the same way we had them and to rejoice and celebrate when they come into the world. I don't want them to worry about comparison. I don't want them to worry about disease. I don't want them to worry about any of that stuff. I want them to experience God's blessing where they can pray about their sex life. That's what I want for all of us. And that's why we're talking about this. And somebody leave after the last service and they went, I can't believe you were talking about that in church. I go, well, the Bible talks about it straight up. Let's talk about it straight up. Let's be godly people. Would you pray with me, please? Oh, Lord God, I just come before you and I just ask that you would convince us of the things we've heard today. God, I want everybody here to live godly lives. I want us to teach our children to live godly lives. I don't want us to take our cues from movies or TV shows or Hollywood rock stars, people who don't have any clue about your word and are living lives that are reckless, careless, and many times end in disaster. I want to take our cues from you, Lord. You made us. And so, Lord, I pray you will teach us how to live godly lives, not live like people who have no understanding. Now, could I ask all the parents in the room to stand? If you're a parent, would you please stand right now? I'm going to pray for you. Please stand. We'll continue to pray. Lord, a lot of people standing here right now. Some of us are parents. Some of us are also grandparents. And Heavenly Father, I pray that you remind us to pray for our kids, pray for our grandkids. And Lord, that when we can reinforce your word, we will do so. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear teachable moments. They're coming. I pray that we will extend grace and kindness when people need to be restored. I pray that we will give clear instruction and not be, we will not shrink back from teaching hard truths. You will help us. God, convince us of these things. Convince us of the importance of godliness, righteousness, and pursuing your best for our lives. Pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you'd be seated for just a minute.